guess what, garden nerds? We got a sponsor. Sunset Lake CBD is a farmer-owned small business that ships craft CBD products directly from their farm to your door. Sunset Lake CBD has something for everyone. They offer tinctures, edibles, salves, and coffee designed to help with sleep, stress, and sore muscles. They're located outside Burlington, Vermont, and were originally a dairy farm, but in 2019, they decided to diversify and start growing hemp. You know, hemp. It's going to save the world. Anyway, you're supporting regenerative agriculture when you buy products from Sunset Lake CBD. They use regenerative and organic methods, and their farm workers are paid a living wage, and the employees own the majority of the company. I've been using the hemp and arnica salve, and I really love how it smells and feels. And my husband has been drinking the coffee, and he says that he's having a no-jitter experience. So use the promo code NERD for 20% off your entire order at sunsetlakecbd.com. Now, on with the show. It's the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast where we spend time chatting with expert gardening guests and we ask for their favorite tip. I'm Christy Wilhelmy. Thanks for joining me. My guest this week is Sonia Harris. She's the founder and CEO of the Bullock Garden Project and the award-winning Bullock Children's Garden in Glassboro, New Jersey. Sonia is a master gardener and a leader in children's garden education. She's been honored with several awards herself, including the New Jersey Agricultural Society's Learning Through Gardening Teacher of the Year Award. She works to assist schools and communities with at-risk youth to learn the joys and benefits of gardening. God, this is such a great subject. I can't wait to talk to you about this, Sonia. Hi, it's so good to talk to you today. Yeah, so well, here. you've been an educator for over 25 years and you specialize in small space gardening for children, whereas I specialize in small space gardening for grown-ups. Yeah. Uh, as someone who is basically not cut out for parenting or having kids, mm-hmm. I want to know, I mean, I, I understand how challenging it can be to garden with right. children. So what turned you on to this mission? In the oh beginning? my goodness. Okay. Well, I have to go back to the very beginning. I was not a gardener. I was one of like, you see my hands, you see the nails. Like I was that Jersey girl. I'm not touching the dirt. I tell people the story all the time and they go, really? I'm like, yeah, I was, I was totally not into it. My son went to like a private micro school when he was like four and they gardened. He came home and he wanted a garden. And I went, I don't do that, buddy. But I took him to grandma and grandma, my mom gardened with him. And I, he grew carrots and lettuce, I think. And I was like, that's really cool. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so, I mean, he's now 29. So that shows how long ago that was, but as a teacher, as an educator, you know, you're always trying to find something that is going to benefit your children. And for me as a special educator, I have to always think out of the box. So in like, it was around 2013, my partner teacher and I, I was co-teaching. I was a special ed teacher in a team in first grade at Dorothy Bullock Elementary in Glassboro. And after this math lesson, it, and I tell everyone it's, it was the dumbest lesson. I hated that lesson. I use it as an example all the time because there's no transference of skills for the kids. Mm-hmm. It was about measurement and you would give the kids a ruler or a tape measure and they would go, go measure a friend's arm, go measure the leg of a table, go measure the door. But there was no real follow-up 
behind this. I don't even think we got to that unit by the end of the year where measurement would come back. It was a spiraling program. Mm. So you introduce a skill and then just, okay, we'll come back to it you know, later. I was like, this is so not right for our kids. And this one year I happened to have a child who had difficulty with one-to-one correspondence and counting and she was struggling. And I thought like, it would be such a benefit to be able to do something else. And I was in a meeting after school and it kind of had that light bulb moment. Mm-hmm. And I looked at my principal and I said, Joe, what if we do a garden here? Cause we were all talking about this lesson. My friend Donna was like, yeah, that, it was a dumb lesson. I was like, yeah, it was a, it's ridiculous to do this because there's no teaching of the transference of skills. And because when you're a teacher in a public school and you know, you have to stay on a certain schedule, There's not always time for us to go back and revisit and make sure a child has mastered skills. So we want to make sure we're getting as much in as we can, you know, at that time. And I said, when I said we should do a garden, he was like, well, why? And I said, that would be cool for the kids to really be able to engage in number concepts throughout the year. So they could plant something at the beginning, measure it over time. So by the time we get to this lesson, they already have that background. And we can talk about it, talk about other ways you can measure. We can really build in something here so the kids can keep doing it. Yeah. So it's applicable and there's hands-on. It's the, for, for kinesthetic learners, that makes such a difference. Yes. It just, it does. It just makes sense. And he was like, go for it. I'm like, I said, I knew nothing about gardening, went home. (laughs) Only gardener I knew was Ahmed Hassan who had the show Yard Crashers on HGTV DIY uh-huh. only person I followed. Cause I used to love that show. So I messaged him on Facebook. He gets back to me. We're on the West coast. <laughs> You're on the East coast. <laughs> so how about here's my number. Give me a call Saturday at this time. Let's chat, see what your needs are. I'm going to really take this long story and try and cut it as short <laughs> as I can. Because Remember this is like 2013 and Ahmed and I talk, he starts asking me, okay, well, what got you into a garden? Why do you want to do that? And I was like, well, because, you know, kids need to grow stuff. We wanted them to learn stuff. He goes, well, what do you want to grow? And I went, well, like tomatoes. He's like, well, why tomatoes? And I said, well, we're the garden state. This is Jersey. This is what we do. We grow tomatoes. (laughs) He goes, that's not what Jersey does. I was like, yes, it is. We do Jersey fresh tomatoes and Jersey fresh sweet white corn. That's what we do. He was like, that is not what New Jersey is known for. Blueberries and cranberries. And I was like, whatever, dude, around here, (laughs) tri-state area, everyone knows Jersey fresh white corn, Jersey tomatoes. He found that funny and (laughs) asked me, well, what flowers? What about flowers? And I said, tulips. And he asked why. And I said, well, they're my favorites. And he was like, do you know how to garden? I was like, no, no, dude. (laughs) Let me tell you, when I moved to the house where I live now out in the country, I was like, oh, I'm going to plant some begonias and some tulips and put my trowel in the ground. And this big spider ran out and I left everything. And my kid had to go (laughs) get all my stuff. (laughs) I was like, done. I'm done. So from that day on, it was a landscaper only. (laughs) I'm not touching anything outside. Instead of going, well... I can't really help you or go look here, see if they can help you. He said, you need to go read about gardening with children. 
Go read about what's happening. Richard Luth, Alice Waters, look at Ron Finley. And he just started giving me lists of people, you know, gardening with children, websites, just like it was even telling me, hey, why don't you look at this? Look at professional papers. You read professional papers. And I was like, yeah, I do because I'm an educator. That is what we do. So I started also looking up peer-reviewed articles about gardening with um, children with special needs or just children overall. And to be honest, I really couldn't find anything mm -hmm. about gardening with children. A couple of weeks go by and he had said, get back to me when you're finished and we'll talk about the next steps. It was literally, literally like two or three weeks. And I called him, was like, Hey, I got through everything. He didn't believe me. And I was like, <laughs> dude, I'm a nerd. I'm a teacher. If you give me something, I'm going to research the heck out of it. I'm going to research it all the way. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, asking me questions and I'm answering him, but then I'm getting back to him with other questions. Like, you know, why isn't this happening? Why aren't we doing that? And he kind of directed me again. And I kept going back to him in short periods of time. Like I've researched it. I've read this. And then I found this, this went on for well over a year. Then Ahmed came to Philly, do the home show. I know it's a long story, but it really tells like it's my origin story uh -huh, <laughs> right uh -huh. there, you know? So he came to the home show in 2014 and we went, we met him. He connected us with a local landscaper that he was also presenting with, you know, we kind of was like, okay, we'll talk, we'll see what we can do. And then we took a med out to dinner. It was a few of us teachers. We took him out to dinner to say, Hey, thank you for at least getting back to us. I was the channel, the vessel that was carrying all the information back. It's giving us something to think about and a place to start months go by. We're working with Mike Pascarello from elite landscaping in Berlin, New Jersey. I have to give him a shout because he was amazing he did the design. He listened to us teachers and what we wanted. And he was creating this beautiful garden. And we knew that we had to fundraise for it. Let's do t-shirts and let's start talking about a garden and let's start putting it out on social media. Let's see what we can do. And if we can get donations. And I did all this without asking for any permission from us. <laughs> Ask At for first. forgiveness. That, That's right. Yeah, That's so much right. easier. Yeah. I had one of the administrators, you know, that had said to me and she didn't, uh, she wasn't, I, I don't think she really understood it. Yeah. And she said to me, she said, well, you don't, you just didn't ask for permission for any of this. And I was like, it's for the kids. No, <laughs> my, my thinking is always child first. We have this beautiful design that just encapsulate encapsulates <laughs> New Jersey, South Jersey. And also, you know, we started noticing, like, I really started noticing because Ahmed had given me all this stuff and I'm reading about, you know, how important it is for children to have food and food sovereignty. And I'm looking at what my kids are bringing to school. And I saw this one day, this little girl had this lunch that was um, a huggy drink and a bag of chips that were tiny, maybe like a 50 cent bag. Yeah. You know, they were they're immigrants and the dad was like highly skilled back in his home country. And here he was struggling working like these long shifts overnight at a gas station mm. until he could get all of his paperwork in place in, in the U S I saw that. And I was heartbroken, got my purse, went to the cafeteria and you know, we were going to lunch and I was like, I'm gonna buy her lunch. So we get there and the lunch service, the woman at the time was like, well, she has a balance, so she can't have a lunch. And I was like, how much is her balance? Oh my it God. was $5 and 38 cents. I'll never forget it because me and my partner teacher were like, are you serious? $5 and 38 cents. Wow. So we paid for her to have a hot lunch. 
And then I was started asking, well, who else has balances? Because what people don't realize is teachers really know backstories on kids. We understand. Parents will open up to us. We know who's struggling. We know who's working the system. We know all of that. And we really realized that our kids who were most in need had balances. And mm-hmm. I mean, it could be a balance for 25 cents, a dollar. And if it went on a certain amount of time, they weren't allowed to have a hot lunch. Wow. We paid off their debt. And this is before like it really became popular about the lunch shaming. Once people started really knowing. And then I was like, we have to grow food. We have to grow food. Like I could not rest thinking about this family that this is all they had. And I knew that debt. That was all they had. We, we had to grow food. The garden, like Ahmed called me like that October and was like, hey, we're going to crash your school. I was like, great. We had these people descend on our schoolyard, May 2nd, May 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th. We premiered it to the kids on the 4th, May 4th, 2015. But we ended up getting donations for everything. Uh, we paid nothing for everything that we did. Fantastic. Amazing people from all around. Our secretary of agriculture even came down and yes, got dirty. He put himself to work, picked up a shovel and he was working. And I assume your hands were getting dirty too at this point. First time I had, my <laughs> cousin was there. She, she's on my board. She took pictures of me. She was like, I can't believe you're actually, you're, you're getting your nails dirty. I was like, I know who am I ripping up sod, <laughs> loving it, asking about different insects loving it because we knew it was coming. And I did finally get the permission from my superintendent because right before it was built, he goes, what is all this stuff about a garden? And I was like, Oh, um, oops, explain to him what we were doing <laughs> and why. Yeah. And also I had been researching about how do we implement garden education with children and how do we work with feeding kids? So I had talked with the New Jersey Department of Agriculture about what are they allowed to do? And we found out that if kids grow food at your school and it's organic, they can serve it in a cafeteria. Yes. So, you know, it was, it was fun after it was built, seeing how excited the kids were and just watching kids grab things off of the vine, grab things off of the plant and eat it. Stuff it in their mouths. Yeah. And that's what got me into gardening because the kids were excited about it. And then after it was built, I realized I don't, I still don't know how to garden. (laughs) So I had my shrubs ripped out in my backyard and Brie Arthur, who is my, I would call her my Mrs. Miyagi, my mentor. She is who I is responsible for really just kicking up that love of gardening in me. Nice. She showed me so much and came to my house and she still was involved with the school gardening with the kids. And then I'm learning from her and the kids. Excellent. <laughs> so well, now it's my life. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm going to ask you more about the children's garden in a moment, but first let's talk about your garden at home. Let's give our listeners a sense of place where okay. do you know what your hardiness zone is? Where are you looking? Yes. How much space you have to work with? Let's talk. Oh about my that. goodness. I am in beautiful Southern New Jersey. Don't listen to all the talk that they say about New Jersey. New Jersey is beautiful, especially the South. Southern New Jersey is gorgeous zone. I am personally right on the border of zone seven A and B. So I always like to joke and say, I go with whatever's going to give me the longest grow season. So that's seven <laughs> yeah. B. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So seven B I have an acre of land. <gasps> oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I am slowly actually converting it into a farm. I'm seed farming. So I have um, the framework up for my high tunnel. It, you know, it's already been zoned for farming and business. So it's kind of like BGP's home base, my nonprofit's home base. We have the high tunnel that's being built. We have to wait for the weather to kind of cool. It's been really hot here. Oh, and, and I should say we're recording this in August, listeners. So oh. by the time you hear this, it's probably cooling down quite a bit in Zone yes, 70. Hopefully the high tunnel will be built and you can go yeah. on social media and see me. Wow. I so I had all the shrubs pulled out. Let's start there. I had, you know, beautiful boxwoods in the front, like some kind of tree. I'm still not a that much of a tree person. I can't just look at something and go, oh, that's such and such. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of pine variants that were there. And um, because <laughs> it's surrounded by pines. And I had the landscaper come and said, take it all out. Mm. Just take it out. So from the front, the side of the house and the back of the house wow. had all the shrubs taken out. And I started gardening in their place, like started with the back. And it, my first year, it was just simple. Tomatoes, lettuce, because, you know, you got to grow tomatoes in Jersey. Right. Um, I think like there were, we had beets, some little things, but mostly tomatoes. I had a lot of tomatoes. And then the next year, I kind of took over another side of my backyard, the side of the house, and the front had already been landscaped, mm-hmm. but I grew rice there. I started growing rice. You grew day. rice. Okay, pause. You were growing rice in your front yard? Yes. Tell me about that. So again, Brie Arthur, she's a huge influence <laughs> on my life. I have a hashtag and it's um, what I learned from Brie. So oh, sometimes I'll put stuff up and you'll just see what I learned from Brie. But Brie has a book about growing grains and she had been growing grains with the students at Bullock Elementary. The kids had told her that they wanted to plant, they wanted to grow pizza. Um, because what we did at the children's garden after it had been there and implemented and Brie would come up twice a year to garden with the kids, which was awesome because she talked to them in botanical Latin, but that's mm-hmm. a different story. <laughs> I mean, it's, it was great because they absorbed it, but she started planting, you know, wheat with them and explaining how it would grow. And we did cotton, we did all sorts of these different plants, but a lot of grains. So I'm watching her do it with the kids. And I was like, you know, this is beautiful. And at the time she was writing her book and I started doing some little grain trials in my yard. Mm -hmm. And I loved how beautiful rice was as it was growing. And then it just bends and it lasted from the summer throughout the fall and into the winter. It was just beautiful. So I did that in the front. But in the back, like I said, I had vegetables. And on the side, I ended up growing a lot of peppers and tomatoes. And it worked. (laughs) Then the next year, my niece had been born. I said, she needs a play space. Got some cattle panel. Made like this 100 foot, uh, 100 yard cattle panel space that I just did in a crescent around the patio. And I planted all around it. So she had this border, like borders of tomatoes and sunflowers and all this other stuff that not only gave us privacy because it's a big lot, you know, she could be outside and and playing in her little pool, but it also created a barrier so she couldn't get out. (laughs) Got it. Safety and. Yeah. And we still call that the play space. So now there's extra that's being grown there. Since I am seed farming, my downstairs kitchen in my house is a grow lab. <laughs> so <laughs> you I are turn that into yeah. an complete growing room and there's 
all sorts of plants in there. My son came home and was like, you're a hippie. And I went, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> a hippie with yeah. really good nails. Let's just yeah. say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, wow. Okay. You, you are definitely a garden nerd. The fact that you are doing oh, grain yeah. trials in your front yard fits right in with what yeah. we like to talk about here at the at garden nerd. Oh, <laughs> so it's perfect. Good. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the bullet garden project. What is it? And what does this program include? When I was teaching the garden was, you know, completed in 2015 and 2016, of course, had to come back to school with plans in place. What are we going to do? How are we going to implement garden education with the kids? And we did it through literature, which was awesome. The school was a first, second, and third grade school. But to show educators, you can take any subject, any book, any topic, and teach through the guise of a garden. Mm -hmm. And it worked. We saw student achievement came up. We saw student absentee rates lowered, student tardiness rates mm -hmm. lowered, because the garden had become ingrained in the fabric of the school. We had food court come in once a week and did a lesson with um, different grades. So like the first week would be first grade, then second grade, then third grade. And that teacher would cycle through all of the classes. And we had 550, 530, something like that. I know it was mm -hmm. over 500 that these kids would be seen and they knew like, oh, I want to be there for garden day. And sometimes you didn't know because Miss Bree would do her surprise visits and come up. And maybe your class was going to be one of those scheduled to go into the garden and garden with Miss Bree. Or sometimes I would say, hey, like if a grade level would tell me, hey, we're doing this book, can you help us? I would take my prep or my lunch and go out into the garden and do lessons with kids. And kids didn't know. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to be at school. And like I said, behaviors, we saw a change there because um, kids wanted to be able to garden. I even did some research there with taking kids who were the high flyers at the principal's office, kids that had some real behavioral difficulties and challenges said, all right, well, let's take these kids. And I, there were seven, let's create a plan where they get to come work with me, garden, talk to their plant. We did a whole little horticultural therapy session and you had to come to that class because if you missed it and it was during my lunch if you missed it no one's watering your plant so ah. your plant is not going to make it now they didn't know that yes i was going in every day and making <laughs> sure their plants were okay oh wow motivating All the kids except for one made it wow All of them. so it's you know being able to show and i was in grad school at the time so being able to show that gardening also does modify behaviors as a special educator I was blown away. Um, so what we were doing started to get noticed by the Department of Agriculture, by New Jersey Agricultural Society, by different people around the state. Mm -hmm. And I had teachers coming to me and asking, how did you do this? How did you get it past your board? So I started working with a couple of schools because we know that that's, right. that was the hard part. That's the hard part. Lucky and had my superintendent who, once he found out, bought right in. Dr. Silverstein just bought in and said, all the way, yeah. do whatever it takes. If you have a problem, let me know. So he really coached me in how to do things so they would pass through the board. And it's not like, you know, you're not trying to get around. You're just understanding how things have to be worded and packaged. So I took that knowledge and started helping other teachers. 
then realized if I'm a nonprofit, it's so much easier to help schools. So I got a group of my friends together. We formed a nonprofit. We received our 501c3 in 2017. Now this is two years after I've done this. We opened up our first website and within a month, we had like 30 some applicants, people who wanted a garden around the world. I mean, Mm -hmm. like South Africa and you know, different uh, places in Europe. And we were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We just thought this was going to be like New Jersey. So this, this curriculum is, is documented or no? Yes, (laughs) (laughs) we do. We do. We have it. But it was just shocking because we said we just wanted to help other schools. And we found out we really needed to help them get supplies. Because like me, I know as a teacher, there's no funding in your budgets for this. No. So I really started going out and getting donations. And then it was easy to come from the Bullock Garden Project and then go to a school. So the Bullock Garden Project is uh, standalone. We are not the same as the Bullock Children's Garden. Mm -hmm. But we got our name because, of course, I'm a teacher. I'm, I'm a nerd. I like organization. I have a big white binder that had Bullock Garden Project on it. Cause that's where I kept all of my notes and all of my information. I still have this binder, yeah. everything that I was learning, I was keeping it in that binder. So now we still go and we, we have grantees every year. We ask for people to come and apply. We service schools that are mostly either predominantly at risk financially, like, you know, the students have a uh, food insecurity or, if you have a high rate of students who have special needs, Mm -hmm. because, you know, my heart is in special education and we actually work to inspire kids, not just to garden and grow food. We want their parents involved. We want communities involved. So we've now branched out and we will actually provide free garden lessons to parents, to families, to anyone who wants to grow food. And the COVID really showed us that. So we kind of pivoted and added food security to one of our missions. And that's what we do now. We go out and we help schools grow gardens, help communities grow gardens, and we help anyone grow gardens. And how much space do you have to work with at the Bullock Garden or the Children's Garden? Oh, I should have had it mapped out. It's a pretty <laughs> decent sized garden. I'm just, I have to, I would have to actually go look up the square footage, uh-huh. but um, it's a it's a nice size space, but, um, I've also worked with gardens for schools where they've had one bed. We have a school in Trenton, New Jersey that has no green space. So we had to take in grow bags mm-hmm. and we created uh, a garden for them because they had 99% of their students were food insecure. Oh wow! So we went up there and created, you know, a beautiful garden <laughs> in in a concrete space, because we know that it's important for the families to get fresh food. Speaking of food, so fall planting season is really near or upon us, depending on where (laughs) you live. Right. Uh, So what do you usually plant or or do in the Mm -hmm. fall in the Bullock Children's Garden? Really, the fall planting starts before the kids come back to school. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we do is like, you know, I still have parents who know who I am. I retired in 2019 because I wanted to run BGP full time. And the good thing is we still have that partnership with the Glassboro School District. And I also work with the borough. So I do in uh, volunteer work for the borough of Glassboro. 
I, and I don't live here. I don't live in Glassboro, but I know way more about this town than I do about where I live. So we uh, still go in and we help maintain garden. And we're actually partnering now to build gardens at the remaining four schools. And we're going to run the gamut. Yeah, we're going to do it all. And, but, and um, you have all those different ages to plant for as well. Yeah, so what are you, what are you planting? You have, to, you have to ask the kids because that's what we do. We go in, ask the kids, what do you want to do? Put it out on social media. Ms. Harris is going to be in the garden Saturday from nine to one. And people show up and it's great because a lot of my former students will also show up. Mm-hmm. But we ask the parents and the families, what do you want? What do you want here? We do a lot of greens. The school is bordered by... Uh, low-income housing. And unfortunately, that's also a marginalized area, not just because of, you know, income, but racially and culturally. So we have a lot of mixed cultures in there. We have a lot of African-American cultures, a lot of Hispanic cultures, and we have a large Turkish population here as well. So it's nice that we get to grow this array of foods. We always try to do collard greens and kale and all of the leafy greens that are, of course, important to so many African-American households, but we do try and get input from everyone else. So yes, we will grow a a second round. We have another round of tomatoes that are going. You never know how our weather's gonna be here in South Jersey. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can get those tomatoes to go all the way through October. Okay. Sometimes it's cold. So we take a chance and say, all right, let's do some late season cherry tomatoes. So we have some like sun golds and different things like that, where we can teach people how to roast them and save them. We have like the early season, um, the early season cucumbers and they're growing in a shaded area. We have beans, definitely. So people can come and like the bush beans. So people can come and just harvest from the bushes and there's, it's not gated. People can come and go as they please. There's apple trees in the garden. So those apples will be ready in the fall. And this is great because this is the last year that the apple trees are going to, these apple trees are going to be there. We're going to get some new trees. There's a lot that's growing in there now, but we'll be doing beets and radishes. And we want to actually, by the time this comes out, it may have already happened. We want to have a session where we have a table there on a Saturday and we're actually teaching people how to cook and how to preserve these foods so they'll last. And and we try to do it as economically friendly as possible. Like how can you do this for a little amount of money or how can you repurpose materials you already have? That's really important. So this segues into my next question for you, which are, which is what are some of your strategies or techniques for engaging children in the garden? You already shared it. You you leave them (laughs) hanging as far as schedule wise. So they feel like they need to be there, but what else works for you? Well, the main thing is, and I tell this to everyone, if you want kids to be involved, you got to sell it. Like it's that middle row of cereal, the fruit loops, the cocoa puffs, all of that. When you have your kids in the shopping cart and they're going, you sell it. Like this is the best thing ever. Mm -hmm. And if you're excited about it, the kids are going to be excited about it, but you also have to give them ownership because children, I mean, children are wiser than we are. I mean, they really, really are because they Mm -hmm. just go into things head first out of passion And if you explain to children, this is what we're going to do. We're going to grow food. We're going to try this. We're going to do this. What do you want to grow? How do you want to do this? Like I said, that teacher, that, you know, 
kind of like OCD. Like mm-hmm. I like things in a certain order. I like organization. Brie broke me out of that by scatter sewing. And I mean, when she was ripping open packages and just pouring them in a little Talenti container, just ripping them open, like, oh, honey, we're just going to do it like this. And I am there like, oh my God, Brie, but the package says it has to be, you know, three rows and they have to be three feet apart. And she went, nature has done this since the beginning of time. Why do we feel we need to grow like this? And would just scatter, give the kids seeds and have them throw it. And at first I was like, oh my God, (laughs) I don't know what we're doing here. But as I started watching it grow and noticing that she was putting together seeds that were all good to grow together. So like tomatoes and marigolds and beans and, you know, things like that. And having the kids throw it along with wheat seeds and poppy seeds and rye seeds and, and everything mixed together. The kids are growing it. And we have this beautiful garden with flowers, with fruits, with, you know, veggies, with everything. It just happened. It worked. And I would take pictures and I'd be like, wow, Brie, it worked. And she's like, yeah, nature. (laughs) Nature. (laughs) Ta-da. Yeah, nature. So I started actually growing like that. And I teach teachers. I'm like, you know, I know it's hard to let go control. Teachers like to do that. Let the kids decide what they want to plant, get a little container, throw seeds in there and just give them a space. Just give them a space. Say, here, here you go. Go for it. But also give them a little notebook or let them have a little, you know, note area on their tablet, whatever it is, where they can actually document. How is it growing? What was the weather like? Really teaching them some of the valuable aspects that it takes to be a gardener. Now, my niece is four. She has only known gardening since, you know, she was a baby. I mean, she was six months old and she was born in December. And I had her outside in June with no shoes on, letting her touch plants, put it. You want to put that clover in your mouth? Go ahead. Go ahead. My sister would kill me, but go ahead. Put the clover in your mouth. Put the soil in your mouth. Whatever. It's good. Builds up antibodies. Yeah. That's great. So allowing kids to just have that natural exploration, that natural sense of curiosity and relinquishing that as an adult, you and, have to do it. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. With this garden, what are some of the favorite things or most successful things that you've found grow well with kids? Oh my God. Well, I love growing tomatoes with them, especially different um, varieties of tomatoes because they're used to that one thing that they see that one red tomato that everyone shows you. But Mm -hmm. when you grow white tomatoes and yellow tomatoes and orange tomatoes, kids get to see all of this and they're amazed. And then they want to taste test. What a great way to get all of those nutrients into their little bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, Growing sweet potatoes. We've grown a lot of sweet potatoes and it's great because the cafeteria loves serving them. Oh, good. Sweet potatoes and potatoes and letting the kids just dig in there and harvest it all. Yeah. I always say that grow potatoes with your kids. Cause it's like digging for buried treasure. Oh my gosh. They, they would have dug, you know, a trench if I had <laughs> let them, we could have like probably built something in it, Yeah, you know, and watching the kids do that, but really asking, like I said, you have to ask them what they want to grow. What do they like to eat? That's, what's going to make it successful because if you plant it, they're not always going to try it. But I mean, I don't like radishes. I had the kids grow radishes because, you know, that's quick return. Right. In a few weeks, you've got a radish ready to harvest. 
I have a picture of the kids grabbing it out of the ground and just eating it, soil on it. But <laughs> I had taught them, you know, that the soil is natural. It's worm poop, you know, it's okay. Right. It's all good. Hooks them in and they're just wiping it on their shirts and eating it. And they're like, Miss Harris, do you want some? And I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, because and- I was also running garden clubs at the school. So all of the kids had a chance to, you know, interact with the garden and, and me and, and whatnot and have these different lessons. You know, we just made sure we empowered the kids. They have their own space. This is what they want. This is what they grow. Every year it kind of changes. One year the kids wanted a pollinator. My last year that I was um, officially teaching, the kids wanted a pollinator garden. And that's what we did. They researched it. They <laughs> emailed Brie. They put together an email, told Brie exactly what they wanted. And we had a great nursery in Maryland donate all of the pollinator plants. It just wow. depends on the kids. If they want to grow it, figure it out. Yeah. As the adult, you're the catalyst. Figure it out. Let them do it. Great advice. Now, for those of us, as you mentioned, who are too perfectionistic to let kids get involved in the garden, <laughs> what advice can you offer for managing expectations and being more accommodating? Break free. Break free. Break free. Let me tell you, I have never had so many mystery plants growing as I do this year. Cause last year my niece wanted to sow seed and I did, I gave her a container. Let's grow this. Let's grow this. I have tomatoes popping up in the oddest places. I'll let them grow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, I have all sorts of things that are just growing everywhere, not just volunteers, but things that she just sowed. And I'm like, why is this here? Why is it here? But (laughs) She is so excited when she comes over and I'm like, oh, baby, go, let's go look at your tomato. Let's go look at your string beans. Let's go look at your whatever it is. As an adult, you have to give up that space. You have to. You have to let them have their own space to play in. Get a smart pot. Go out and get like one of those fabric um, beds and just let them play in it. Right. She has her own little set of tools. She gets in her little bed. She can dig. She can plant. She can do whatever she wants, but she has her own area there. The Bullock Children's Garden, the kids own that area. So one of the big things that I always said, it was adults cannot make the decisions for what happens in their area. It has to be child led. It has to be the same thing. If you're at home and I trust me, I know it's hard because I've, I've seen some plants, like I said, pop up in places where I don't want them. However, because she planted them, I make it work. I just adapt. If we want to inspire them to do this, we have to let them know that the possibilities are endless. Their dreams are endless. Their ideas are endless. So if they want to, she wants to go plant it under the pine tree, right next to my pollinator bed or whatever (laughs) it is, go for it. But let's explore that. Let's take that time and see how is that tomato doing? How is that string bean doing? Oh yeah, that one doesn't look so good. Well, why? Let's look around. Why? And at age three and four, she can tell me. The first, second, and third graders could tell me what was wrong. If you know, we planted something, they wanted to plant it somewhere. Hmm. Let's go look at those instructions again. Let's look that up. Let's see what... Okay, what did we do? Did we follow that correctly? And the kids took off. They did that. They discovered what insects were in the garden. They discovered what, well, what are those weeds? Here's my phone. Go plant snap it. 
go, go use that app, find out what it is. Is it good for us? Should we have it? Can we eat it? And they would have to tell us all of that. So, so you're growing more than plants. You're growing curiosity and thinkers. That's what you you're have doing. To. Yeah. You have to. And also you're growing health and families because That's if true. kids are doing it, they want to do it at home. So let's figure out how to, how to grow food in your apartment. And there's so many uh, new ways to do that now, especially since people started businesses during COVID and yes. for indoor gardening uh, and the new wave of gardeners is growing indoors. So that's, that's wonderful. Right. Well, it is tip time. Do you have a favorite tip that you'd like to share with the garden nerd audience? I'm going to reinforce what I have said this whole thing. My garden tip is to break the rules, break the rules. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with breaking the rules and take it from a rule follower. I think I broke my child by making him <laughs> when he was little. I wanted the books on his shelf to be asymmetrical. I wanted them to go from biggest to smallest. I am that kind of a person, a control freak. Mm -hmm. and when I let go of what a garden quote unquote should be, what it should look like, I relaxed and I found a deeper beauty for myself. So when you let that happen in children, just imagine what doors you're opening. So my big tip is get off of the rules. Put some seeds in a container. Just take some and just throw them wherever. See how free you feel. <laughs> and, and then watch what happens. Because nature's going to do what she does. Let it happen. <sighs> I'm breathing deep over here so that I don't <laughs> hyperventilate. Because I am a you have total to try it, Christy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it's true. I see this in my own garden because I, when I first started gardening, I was certainly a lot more, everything was, it was like a quilt, like a perfectly yes. structured quilt out there. Mm -hmm. And then over the years, I started to just let stuff volunteer and show up and then I right. kept it going. And it's such a, a diverse garden and we have pollinators everywhere and uh -huh. habitat and all of the oh. things. And, you know, it just, it makes for a messier garden, but it certainly is more fascinating and yes. full of life. So yeah, I'm, I'm on board with you there. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. So that that's my tip. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for that tip, uh, Sonia, and for being on the garden nerd tip of the week podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This really was fun. <laughs> well, how do people find you when it's in the right okay. direction? Awesome. So if you really want to get in touch with me, you can go to Instagram. I am on Instagram a lot. I love Instagram at NJ garden teacher, New Jersey, like New Jersey garden teacher at NJ garden teacher across all social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I think I have a Snapchat. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't use it. Um, and then you can go to our website, blockgardenproject.org. It's B U L L O C K G A R D E N P R O J E C T. Dot org. I know it's long. We tried to get bgp.org, but someone had already taken it. Yeah. And so <laughs> some chemical company out there. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So you can just go find us. The messages on the website come directly to me. Please sign up. We're in the middle of a revamp and hopefully by the time this is out, it's there. So you can really see the work that we do. And wow. like I said, we do have partners around the globe, Canada, Africa, uh, Europe, and hopefully soon Asia. So we want to have some hands on as many continents as possible. Very exciting. All right, garden nerds, you'll find a link to the Bullock Garden Project on gardennerd.com this week. We'll also share Sonia's social media links and 
a nifty five-year check-in blog post that she wrote during the pandemic that I think is worth <laughs> reading. Uh, that's it for this week. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. Visit us for tons of free gardening information at gardennerd.com. Show your support for this podcast and the other free stuff on Garden Nerd by becoming a Patreon subscriber. You'll find us on Instagram and Twitter under gardennerd1, on Facebook as gardennerd.com, and of course, our Garden Nerd YouTube channel. Happy gardening!